I'm with Rock and Mark. Say hello. Hello. Okay. Tell us a wee bit about yourself. Well, I'm Mark Beer. I'm uh, 43 years old. Am I? Yes. <laughs> 44, sure. I am okay. 44, my God. Uh, I am the co-founder and owner of the Collective Gym on the Ravenhill Road. That's good. With my business partner, Gary McTaggart. Okay, well, obviously, I was chatting to Gary a couple of weeks ago about the collective. Um, what's sort of your idea as in why you started up? Yeah, um, from my personal point of view, and Gary and I have very similar thoughts on this. Um, and Gary talked the last time, we tried the box gyms, we've done all that. I actually started off training in a smaller gym, an Olympus gym in Duncan Gardens, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a spit and sawdust sort of gym, but it suited my needs and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the camaraderie and the encouragement that was in the place. And then from going on there to T13 to train at Iron Fit was an eye-opener, which Gary talked about. Um, although a bit daunting for some, we loved it. Um, and then whenever they had to go their separate ways to try and set up their individual Iron Fits, there was no more open gym aspect to it. So we ended up joining Pure Gym. And it just took the soul out of me. I mean, it completely and utterly took the soul out of me. Brilliant gym, brilliantly equipped. Everything that you want, but just horrible. Mm. Just soulless, clinical, just soulless. Museum-y. Just, yeah, just very uninviting, you know. Um, you felt like you were constantly underneath some sort of attention from someone, or there was always somebody watching you, or you were having to wait for things. It was full of people in taking selfies and taking videos of themselves and people checking each other's forms in funny ways and people doing really silly things. You know, Gary was constantly critiquing and <laughs> criticising people's form to the point where he was getting called into the office and saying, look, you can't do this anymore. He said, well, then you need more ethical standards then for your clientele mm-hmm. here walking about in your gym doing fucking stupid things. Mm-hmm. That's, somebody's going to pop a disc or somebody's going to do a really serious injury to themselves and uh, we, we couldn't stand by anymore and watch that. So whenever we left there, we decided that, look, we both have an interest in training ourselves, which is, I think most people think whenever they start off as a PT, that's enough to get them going. But we also had a desire to educate people. Um, and, you know, Gary's a great educator. He, he educated me on how to train and how to eat and how to look after myself a little bit better. Um, so we thought, fuck it, let's do it. Um, and we, Simple as that. Yep, and off we went. Started putting a plan together and got the gym organised. Got Black Box involved, designed it, and off we went, put our money into it. And, and I do have to say, the place looks fabulous. Oh, it looks great. It, it looks great. You know, it's um, it's a very unique little gym. It's more boutique sort of style than, um, than most other gyms of that size. Um, so, yeah, we take, we take a lot of pride in it. I certainly take a lot of care in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to make sure that it's clean and um, fun environment to come into. I like to make sure our clients enjoy themselves um, and more importantly they can open up and be themselves in the place and not feel intimidated, you know. Yeah. Tell us a wee bit about, you know, obviously your journey from, obviously you had a huge amount of weight at one stage. I did, yes. Um, I was 19 stone 8. I'm 5 foot 7. So those two numbers don't really mix <laughs> <laughs> that well. Uh, something's going to look a bit old there somewhere. Uh, so I decided along with Sai Gary at the time, in November 2011 was decision time, although we had been talking about it I think for a good year, um, sitting playing guitar with each other every single night of our lives for a good year, um, and I had some traumatic changes medically in my life, mm-hmm. um, I had a condition called duodenitis, 
which was also racing in my duodenum, um, and they burst one night, um, and I probably lost about a pint of blood, um, and it was a very pleasant, very or not pleasant, unpleasant, <laughs> definitely wasn't pleasant uh, experience. So I had to make up my mind as to what I was going to do. So I thought, buggered. And Gar and I sat down together and said, right, okay, let's start leading a more healthy lifestyle. So I just came into being with just eating less shit, which I did. I ate a lot of it. Um, and just starting to do exercise, just gradually starting to go for it. And once I got the bug, I was away. That was it. Um, and I just stuck to the plan constantly. I never, ever deviated off it again. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do now, occasionally, but I did certainly for the first... And it's a question people ask me all the time. How do you, how did you do that? How did you go from 19 stone 8 to... actually got down to 11 stone 2, you guys, at 12 stone the other day. Um, that was in the end, got 11 stone 2. And they say, how did you do that? Well, the answer's quite simple. I just didn't fuck around. Mm-hmm. I stayed true to the plan. I didn't deviate off it. It was complete discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know is difficult. It's really, really difficult. But in my head, I had eaten enough food to last me a lifetime. I'd eaten enough crap every day, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a day, mm-hmm. um, that I thought, well, actually, I don't, I don't deserve a treat. I make up my own mind when I deserve to get back into some sort of normal eating patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just made sure that I restricted my carbs. I increased my protein. I listened to all the stuff Gary told me. I just made sure that my exercise activity outside of the gym was as high as I could possibly get it. Mm-hmm. So that meant walking a lot, using the stairs, not skipping into a lift, taking the hard <laughs> options every single time, and training yeah. really hard. You know, initially three times a week, and eventually I'd end up six times a week. Yeah. Um, once I got fitter and fitter. That's brilliant. Yeah. I can remember the first day you was coming in to Platinum to mm. do your qualifications, and you'd already had the plan in place. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. for what you were going to be doing, oh yeah, obviously you need the education, yeah, yeah. the certification side yeah, of things. Yeah. But the plan was quite straightforward and yeah. straight to the point. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we were at that point in our lives. I mean, um, I would have been forty-two then, and um, Gary obviously would have been forty-five, forty-four going on forty-five. So mm-hmm. we're old enough to to know that you can't just go willy-nilly into things. Yes. And go, well, bugger, come on, we'll just go and spend extra round of thousands of pounds on something. Mm-hmm. There had to be a plan. We had to make sure that we were well organised we had to make sure the buildings were well organised yeah. what we want to do the type of people we wanted to attract um, and I think if it went into a blind date it would, it would have lasted months mm-hmm. yeah. not years no, of course of yeah. course so what do you think is the relationship between mental health and exercise stroke fitness it's, it's massive it was massive for me and if, I, if I didn't have the gym at that point, even though I had medical problems, but I also had a lot of mental health issues going on as well because the weight was dragging me down, mm-hmm. literally dragging me down, but dragging me down mentally as well. I've been overweight all my life. Um, so I was a very overweight child from the age of about five onwards. Um, I was really skinny until I was five. I had a real bad tonsillitis. I got my tonsils out. All of a sudden I could taste food. <laughs> and I just ate and ate and ate. Um, and I, that just kept on going. And I can remember, I think I can remember being eight years old and weighing myself. In a, in a friend's house and I was the same weight as I was age and I think I continued to climb like that as I just got older so I, when I was 9 it was 9 stone it was 10 it was 10 stone and that just kept on going um, and then I, I always saw myself as a really big big person um, it was right up until about third year I, I changed school in fourth year I went to boarding school in fourth year and even then I thought I was really big but looking back now at photographs I was actually very skinny seriously yeah I was really skinny it's quite scary now when I look back at it but in my head I was just this big humongous child and it just it dented my confidence completely you know I had no confidence to talk to 
prospective partners or you know all that that seemed really really far away from me and I was watching my friends I suppose get on with life and you know get out and dating and having fun mm-hmm. and I felt like I wasn't worthy of it at all mm-hmm. at all you know so um, that sort of stayed with me all my life and then by the time we started training um, I can actually remember whenever I first moved back I lived in Manchester for 12 years and I have a very strong core group of friends all of them slightly older than I am they're two three years older and I'm more like Gary's age and they're all his friends as well and they're all successful guys you know they all one of them owns a very successful nightclub in town one owns a uh, successful linen company in Belfast um, the other one has a data input for civil service and uh, the other one's an architect and you know so they're all earning good money mm-hmm. and I just started my own business at the time and, and this was actually my realisation of, of a little bit of darkness in my life and I can remember sitting with them one night we'd have met in the park hotel for a couple of pints actually to commemorate a friend of ours who had passed away and uh, I remember sitting amongst them all, and I couldn't speak. I remember sitting looking at them, just going, I don't belong here. I don't, I don't belong with you guys. I don't belong in this planet. This just doesn't seem right to me, you know. Mm, and I, I Yeah, absolutely. So I'd, I'd fallen into a real dep- depressive state um, where I felt, I just saw no way out. Everything just became very dark. Um, and I just found that the only way that I was able to get myself out of it was to wake myself up, make a change, <laughs> which we did. Um, the first one was dad, as I said, and then going and, and, and doing the gym. And that just seemed to brighten me up. It just seemed to wake me up slightly. It's cheesy as it always saying, you know, the hardest part is always the start. You know, it, it's it's even, a lot of people say for talks, going to the gym, the gym's the easy bit. Mm-hmm. The gym is actually the easy bit. It's getting out the front door. It's going and there. We're not necessarily breaking down that it has to be the gym, but just any sort of movement, any yeah. sort of exercise, you know. Yeah. Like, what would, you, what would your biggest tip be on looking after your mental health? Um, keep active, definitely. Um, have a bit of faith in yourself, a bit of belief in yourself. Mm. Don't necessarily listen to what everybody else is saying or doing, because then I think you can end up getting in a, um, a comparing situation to say, look at your life and my life. Everybody's life's different. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest tip is just really communicate, look after yourself, you know, be aware of who you are, love yourself, you know, you're, you're not a bad person. Actually, you are a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and I would definitely, I would definitely, definitely find find like-minded people, communicate with someone. If you are having problems or difficulties, talk to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, I have been at that point. I spent uh, nine months with Lifeline, mm-hmm. meeting my counselor every Thursday, um, on Citalopram, trying to get myself calmed down, seeing life for what it really is, mm-hmm. as what my perception was, um, and putting things in order and trying to get everything to sort of settle down mm-hmm. um, and that was a really really difficult period in my life but it was the most, one of the most beautiful periods of my yeah. life as well because I was actually able to share I was properly able to walk into somewhere and say right okay here's my problems all on the table I don't know who you are but I'm sure you can help me you know and he did Marcus name was he was a fabulous guy he was really 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 nice you know? but not knowing who they are sometimes for, for a lot of people uh, the best thing 100%, 100% <laughs> you know? You know? And, I, and I know that from being a coach I know that I mean I I, I not only do I coach people, I counsel people, mm-hmm. um, and not only do people come into my gym and be part of it, they also counsel me. Yes. You know, so you end up having a relationship, especially when you're doing one to ones with people, and you end up having a relationship with them that um, it's very open. You know, mm-hmm. and you can talk very easily about things. You've mentioned there a couple of times, obviously talking to people. Mm-hmm. Right now, that's bringing me on to which I ask everybody: social media. Yeah. Now, people think that they're talking to people, they're not. but they're not. No. Okay, so what? what is your thoughts on social if media? If I didn't things? have a business, I wouldn't have... There Facebook. you go, okay, right. <laughs> simple, uh, as simple as that. Simple as that. Okay, so, you know, I, why? 
Um, because I think it, it, it I mean I, I have two children obviously my kids aren't on social media yet although my son dabbles a little bit on Instagram um, I have no desire for them to be anywhere near it mm-hmm. at all I, I, I see it and I know your guy had this chat it has a very yin and yang sort of thing about it you know it's, it has a dark and a lighter side you know and, um, I think whenever you're using Facebook I mean I would have used Facebook in the past for things like sharing music because mm-hmm. I have an interest in music and I was like Gary does and him and I would be bouncing songs off each other and if I saw something really beautiful I want somebody to hear it Yes. so I would share it very rarely would you ever see a post getting put out by me where I'm actually typing something out mm-hmm. to say oh I'm pissed off about the ah. state of the world or whatever <laughs> get lost in the shit out there uh, I just think Facebook is a I think Facebook, Instagram, all, all of them to a degree have their uses, but I think their their dark sides far mm. deeper than their than their uses. It comes back to yes, with everything in this world, there's good things and there's bad things. With most mm. things, you know, um, but it's if if the bad things outweigh the good things, well then mm. you shouldn't be on it. You shouldn't be on it. If yeah. the good things outweigh the bad things, then well then you enough. should be. Yeah, yeah, if you can use it in the correct way, I just think, in my opinion, you know. Most people, the majority of people, cannot use it mm. the correct way that, mm. that they need to, and it it ends up causing issues with them. Yeah, and I, I think especially kids. I think especially that. Oh yeah. That fourteen, fifteen year old onward sort of bracket. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's all about show and selfies and look at me and how I'm dressed and how I'm looking and and then this whole comparison thing comes back in again. You yeah. know, so if you're slightly out of kilter with the rest of your peers, and you don't look as good in a selfie as somebody else does, or you can't wear clothes quite like. Brian can or whatever mm-hmm. you're going to feel like shit yeah you know and that just I think that just makes mental health worse mm-hmm. it doesn't make it any better and then kids can be cruel as we know as well oh yes Jesus I'm sure I was whenever I was younger with my peers running about the place as much as anybody else thank god we didn't have social media then I couldn't imagine I actually couldn't imagine that you know yeah. being that age and having some social media where you're able, you're able to err all of yeah, that yeah, yeah. you know I think it's changed kids today you know I had not going to advocate this either, but I mean, I know whenever I was younger and I had friends and you'd fall out or you end up hitting each other or something like that, and then you'd walk away and then you'd be best mates again yeah. on Facebook, just talk yeah. to each other. <laughs> you know, it's there for life now. Yeah, and then it compounds the problem, uh-huh. you know, and then, therefore it becomes a bigger issue, it becomes a bigger thing. Yeah. You know, somebody walked along and called me a name and I went, bollocks to you, <laughs> give me a kick in the angle or something, you know, and then it's dead, it's dealt with. Uh-huh. Um, well, then it's, it's shared to three million shared, people. Yeah, it goes around everybody, you know, exactly. and then everybody in school knows about it. Or, uh-huh. You know, I, I just think it's really dangerous. I just think it's really dangerous. Well, then, that's going to bring me on to, um, say, social media with in relation to business. Yep. Uh, competition in business. Yep. Okay. Now, you know yourself, health and fitness industry is not exactly the the nicest industry to be in. So it's not. Has its moments. Has its moments. <laughs> what do you think with social media in the health and fitness industry? Um... Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of it's bollocks. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of images being presented out there of unrealistic, non-achievable goals where you may see somebody ripped to the bone, looking great, but they only look like that for half an hour. <laughs> they'll go away and they'll have their, their cars and they'll car back up again and they'll get a wee bit bigger and they go back to, you know, so things like that aren't real. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I mean, I, I obviously, you know, the likes of Neil and Paul Murray and all those boys and I think they use social media really responsibly mm-hmm. um, I think they put the message out there quite clearly especially Paul actually I, I really enjoy Paul's posts he's, he's, he's just to the point <laughs> you know and he, and he tells it like it is you yes. know and I, and I think he's bang on for doing that you know because mm-hmm. he will turn around and say don't listen to the bullshit and I think that's responsible usage of social media within business mm-hmm. um, 
you know, there is there is this premise out there that you can change yourself within 12 weeks and you can make yourself look body beautiful within this period of time. It's just not real. Mm-hmm. It's not real. You know, yes, you can lose a lot of weight. I know that. I've done that. I've done that in nine months, you know, but did I look like a poster boy? No, I fucking didn't. But that brings it back to, um, yes, you say you've lost a lot of weight in nine months, things like that there, but I think the world the world is a fast place now, so everything has to be quick. Therefore, even weight loss has to be quick. Yeah. I, I want to feel better tomorrow. That's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, yeah. So how, how do we slow things down? Uh... I, well, I mean, can slow when, things when you, down? When you can't, well, I mean, you, you know, that's up to the individual, I suppose. Hmm. To either be as aggressive or non-aggressive as I want to be. Do I want my clients to lose weight the way I did? No, I don't. Do I think it was clever for me to lose the weight the way I did? I don't actually. I think I lost it far, far too quickly mm-hmm. um, because it flew off me. Now, yes, I had a lot of weight to lose. Sometimes I was losing a pound a day. That's not right. <laughs> that's not right. You know, I must be. I had to have been catabolic at that point mm-hmm. as well as. I.e. lose a muscle for your listeners who don't know what that means, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I had to have been not doing things correctly to be losing weight that fast. Um, you know, and then it wasn't until later on that I realised that I'd actually maybe done not irreversible damage, but I'd certainly done a bit of metabolic damage that now makes it very difficult for me to lose weight at times. Mm-hmm. You know, my my ability to lose weight now is nothing compared to what it was when I was in my late thirties. Do you want it to be that way? Before I go on holiday, yeah, <laughs> for every day you said, "How would that?" <laughs> you know, but there, but therein lies the problem, really. You know, yeah. there's me, even as somebody who knows better. You know, we can all leave things too late. We can all mess around. And I think that's the other thing about the social media thing in the fitness industry. Everybody thinks the fitness industry people are all perfect and they all walk about and eat broccoli all day and you know, drink bloody smoothies out of. Human beings. Yeah, we're human beings, man. You know, we all have our follies. We all need to enjoy our lives. We all have the right to enjoy our lives. Um, and I'm, I'm, I never lie to my clients. I'll always say, yeah, I've got to enjoy my weekends. I'm not perfect. But I make up for it. But now that you've mentioned that, flip that round. A lot of people say that you shouldn't be in the health and fitness industry unless you are perfect. Well, then. You know what I mean? Oh, you don't look like a person trainer. Yeah. How many times have you heard that? I heard it, you hear a lot. <laughs> Said maybe day. <laughs> no one joking, stop. But I suppose, but again, yeah, look, uh, you don't have to be <clears throat> to the deck to be a good coach. <laughs> you know, you don't like, you know, some of the best coaches in the world are not, you know, like the fittest, healthiest people in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. That's not about coaching. Good coaching to me is about communicating with people, waking people up. You know, and I, I talk about this here all the time to my clients, that I want to have an awakening for them. Because I had that awakening, and my awakening was more a mental health awakening. It was like a, you are deserving. You are just as good as anybody else. Mm-hmm. You are not this waste of space. You know, and you can't actually do things and be like normal people. And that was my awakening. So what I want my class to do, or our class to do, is to wake up. To go, actually, I can do this. And that's when, you know, it's, if you came to my gym and you watched me coaching, and Gary coaching... Um, I'm not a beaster of people. I don't like beasting people. Although when we're doing cardio, <laughs> I can beast people a bit better than people. But certainly when it comes to lifting weights, and we want that progressive change, we want that progressive overload going on. We want people to get stronger, not only physically stronger, but mentally stronger in what they're doing. And we want things to be technically as safe and as sound as possible. 
Um, I want people to have that awakening that they know whenever they can push on, and I'd only, I only ever let them push on until I say, right, okay, you're technically as good as you can get at that lift, you know, at the moment. Um, listen, none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. So we're never going to be perfect at things, you know. Um, and I think it's a really important thing to learn. I learned it, I learned it the hard way, actually, because the first time I went down to the gym with Gary, um, he tore his tricep in the first two weeks. And really badly tore his tricep. It was horrible to watch. Um, and that was him out. <laughs> and I was just starting the journey. So I had a choice. I was either going to keep going and take the plans that he had written out for me and seek the help of the people who are there, um, or I was going to stop until Gary was ready to go again. And I went, no, fuck it, I'm going. And that was my awakening. Uh, and off I went. And I got more respect, actually, to the guys who were on the gym for coming down, because they, they knew Gary. They trained with Gary before, years and years before, the Centaur. And, uh, and I got more respect for doing that. Mm. And all of a sudden, you were accepted into this crowd of people in this gym. You know? That was a lovely thing for me, you know. Yeah. Um, and these are big birdie guys. <laughs> you know, these are big, big men around this place, you know. They're actually the loveliest people, you know. Yeah. Quite scary to look at, but really, really <laughs> nice guys, you know. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, Where to next for the collective? Um, well, growth has to happen. Um, we're trying to make sure that we're attracting good clientele, people who actually want to make a change. Um, we're very welcoming to everybody, that's why we're called the collective. Um, we'd like to think that um, we take in any person, regardless of gender, age, sexuality, whatever. Um, so I just want growth to happen. I just want us to start ramping up our numbers. Um, I want to start seeing more results coming out of it. And the results are just actually people feeling better. You know, Paul Murray talks about this as, you know, feel better, move better, get a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I quite like that saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, and our, our mantra would pretty much be the same, really. You know, it's just about feeling better, moving a better, looking a little bit better. Um, and just trying to just realise it. You know, you can't actually get off the, the wheel of life sometimes and go into a gym and have an hour to yourself. And again, that's back to the mental health aspect about things, you know. Um, whenever I talk about my gym, for me, it's near like meditation. I'd go into a sort of meditative state when mm-hmm. I'm training. I'm going have a nightmare to train with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as my partner Ali will tell you, you know, she goes training with me and she might necessarily enjoy it all the time because I just lose myself in what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and just be more focused and just on actually just moving things really well for, for an hour. And then I'll go back to being me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably have to find that. Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> No, where to next for Mark? For Mark himself. Oh, hi. Um, That's you, by the way. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're sort of Gary talked on it a little bit, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through it a little bit at the moment. I, I'm going through a divorce at the moment. I've got a new partner. I've got two beautiful children from the previous um, relationship. So I just want to be a good dad. I want to be a good partner. Um, I want to become a more successful, successful businessman. Um, I just want peace, mm-hmm. but happiness, but a peace. You know, I think, I think you definitely do get that point in your life once you get through your mid to late thirties, I think, and you get into your forties. You realise that the important things in life aren't what you thought they were. <laughs> you know, it's much more about the small things and appreciating the small things mm-hmm. and taking your time. You know, we're not, we're no rush. Mm. I think whenever we're younger, we're rush about like crazy, trying to get shit done, and sometimes you miss everything. Um, and I tend to think to slow down a little bit and just enjoy life. Yes. That's what it comes back down to, slow down. Slow down. You know, everything's quick, quick, quick. Just yeah, yeah. slow yourself down yeah, and yeah. start enjoying Definitely. yourself. Well, Mark, thank you very much for that. You're very welcome. That was brilliant. Thank you. Take care.
Thank you. Cheers.